thank you, Mark and Amanda, for leading us. Um, y'all have got a little bit of a tickle cough. It's not COVID, but I'm telling it to you because I'm gonna be <coughs> like that throughout the time. I had a sinus infection that just got down in my chest and it's just hanging on. Um, how many of you, <coughs> excuse me, knew that there were more lyrics to that song? Like, I, some of you did, I did, had no idea. They were singing it, we were singing it at Brentwood last week and I thought, what song is this? And I didn't know until you got to the step-by-step part, which, you know, takes me back to college. Um, last week, we began our summer equipping series in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Mike Vogt, one of our elders, gave us an introduction, a wonderful introduction last week, and then talked about wisdom and um, wealth. Now, this summer, we're in Proverbs. We're gonna do more than Proverbs. And so before I open to the proverb today, I wanna give you a little preview of what's coming. Um, In Proverbs, all the way through um, June 27th, Rob and I will be taking Proverbs that that, that are meaningful to us. Um, We're also gonna get a chance, by the way, to hear from Scott Henderson, our pastor of student ministries here, which I'm super excited about. So Scott will take a proverb and teach us, and I love that you're gonna hear from uh, the person who leads and oversees all that we do with our students. (coughs) And then, um, beginning on July 4th, we're gonna do something we've never done, something Rob and I have always wanted to do. And um, we, 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 especially in this time, and in terms of a topic is so important, uh, we have wanted to take an extended time to address biblical apologetics. Now, you know, apologetics, apologetics is the defense of the faith. How do we know what's true? You know, how do we know where truth comes from? How do we logically and, and theologically have confidence in the scriptures, et cetera? And um, so we're gonna take an extended time from July 4th through August 1st. And uh, Mike Vogt, who was here last week, is gonna be teaching us biblical apologetics. Now, why Mike? Because Mike's got a master's degree in biblical, biblical apologetics from Biola. What's his passion? He's such a gifted teacher. Um, so he'll be teaching those, those five weeks. And y'all, it's, it's gonna be unlike uh, anything we've done in the sense of it, it's, it's gonna be more like a seminary course without the boringness, if, you know, no, no offense to any professors. Um, but... Um, but it will be like a, like a seminar, like an equipping seminar. He's gonna have notes each week that we'll be working through and will ground us in, you know, how do we know what's true? I, I cannot think of perhaps a more pertinent topic for us in these days. I'm looking forward to it. Hope you are as well. The proverb I've chosen today um, is about perhaps the most difficult, most confusing, most damaging relationships that we have in life. Uh, My observation is that we as Christians handle these particular relationships way worse than those who have no faith. Wisdom's gonna speak with an edge this morning. It it is is a weighty topic we dive into. Uh, It's gonna disturb us and rightly disturb us. But I, I, I say this with confidence, if we will allow the word to disturb us this morning, and then if we'll listen and live the words of wisdom that the scripture has to say today, what, what, what troubles and disturbs us will give way to that which gives us life. I assure you of that. 
October 2016, a guy named Todd Orr <coughs> was um, on a morning hike in Montana's uh, Madison Valley. Made this hike a number of times, very familiar with it. <clears throat> he unexpectedly came upon a grizzly and her two cubs. He estimates it was about 80 yards away. Uh, with no hesitation, she began a charge covering that ground, you know, at the speed of light, it, I'm sure it seemed to him. He waited till she was about 25 feet, which he needed to before he discharged and fully discharged his bear spray, creating this fog of bear spray. And uh, that bear, because she was on the move, went through that like it was literally just fog, <laughs> just water, you know, in the air. And he was on her in an instant. He wrote this, so he lived. She was on top of me, biting my arms, shoulders, and backpack. The force of each bite was like a sledgehammer with teeth. She would stop for a few seconds, then bite again, over and over. After what seemed like an eternity, she, dis she disappeared. Or suffered a broken left arm, and it took eight hours of surgery, no pun intended, to put him back together. In, in nature, there is perhaps no greater danger than to cross a predator mother and her cubs. I mean, we just pick the animal, but the, it, there's perhaps no greater danger. <clears throat> the truth is, none of us will ever experience that. Now, I say none. There's going to be some, perhaps, that will. But, I mean, we don't live in grizzly country, right? Or do we? What if I said to you that there is actually a danger worse than crossing a grizzly and her cubs? And what if I said to you that danger's in this room right now? Or what if I said the danger's in your home? Or what if I said, quite frankly, you, you won't live a day of your life without crossing this danger? My guess is some of you are going, okay, well, I don't know what it is. I've lived this long. Don't tell me. <laughs> I don't need to know if I'm okay, you know? Well, the Bible won't allow that because the Bible names the danger, and therefore we must be aware of it. With that, I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 17. <coughs> Proverbs 17, verse 12. Listen to the words of Solomon. When he writes in verse 12, let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Now, what Solomon says here is that dealing with a fool is more dangerous than you crossing a grizzly bear with her cubs. Is he speaking in hyperbole? No. It's more dangerous to it's more harmful to you to deal with a fool than a bear and her cubs. So how do, we, how do we avoid the fool? Well, I just said this. You can't avoid the fool. You can recognize the fool and you can relate biblically to the fool. <clears throat> and that really gives us our outline today. So I'll just show you this just so you see where we're going. I'm, giving, I'm gonna talk about two, two things in the broadest picture of things. I'm going to talk about how to recognize a fool, and I'm going to talk about how to relate to a fool. <clears throat> Under how to, how to recognize the fool, we're going to do two things. We're going to look at what a fool believes and how a fool behaves. So I'm going to start there. We'll move through all those four points. 
how to recognize a fool. Let's start with, with that. Now, the first thing I wanna do is I want, to, um, I want to categorize fools. Oh, thank you so much, Melissa. Um, I wanna categorize a fool between the cultural fool and the biblical fool because they are <laughs> miles apart. So when I say, you know, picture a fool in the world, most of us probably go to <coughs> someone who's just dumb, and I'll use this word in this context, moms and dads, I know we don't like to use this word, and we didn't like to use this word in our home too, but, but stupid, you know, this, kind of, this is the person we think of. Perhaps it would be this person, this is years ago, back in Fort Worth, a guy robs his local Taco Bell, tells them to empty out their drawers, and then he says, and I'd like a chalupa. And while he's waiting on the chalupa, he's arrested. Okay, you know, you, you know this is like, that's, oh my gosh, what a fool. Or the guy, there's a guy, Westminster, California, years ago, he, he's got a tiny apartment. You know, the, the, basically the instructions are, if you got bugs in here, then you're gonna use two bug spray bombs. He decides more is better, uses 25. The fumes hit the pilot light. You guess what happens, blows the apartment up. That's like so dumb, right? Or, now this is a picture I grabbed, you know, that I've, you've seen something like this. You know, you don't want to rent the truck, borrow the truck or do anything, and you're trying to move your furniture. And so you've got this guy trying to move his furniture. Careful observation, of course, would show you the tag, says LSU. I mean, <laughs> go Tigers. This, there's a picture of him when he's driving it. He's driving like this, right? Because he's looking right above the wiper's blades to go. <clears throat> that's a cultural fool. And we laugh because we go, that's so dumb. You know, that's just, it's just so obvious, you know, avoid that person. But the fool, according to the Bible, we're not gonna be laughing much from here on, I assure you. The fool, according to the Bible, is someone altogether different. The fool of Proverbs doesn't rob stores and order chalupas. Rather, the biblical fool weaves this web of deceit around relationships that robs others of their sanity in order to get what they want. The, the, the biblical fool is not gonna set off 25 bug bombs in a tiny apartment, but they will detonate emotional grenades in a marriage and in a family or threaten to detonate them to hold that family hostage to their agenda. The fool in Proverbs is not unintelligent. In fact, <clears throat> the fool in Proverbs may be the smartest person in the room, but they are utterly sinful and their sin is devastating. Strangely, not so much to them as it is to those around them. With that, I'm gonna give us, I'm gonna paint a picture this morning of a biblical fool. I'm gonna start with three Hebrew words that are used to translate the word fool. So when you read in your Old Testament, especially wisdom literature, <clears throat> you'll see fool, but it's, it's, it's one of these three words generally. It's up on the screen. The first is kasil. Um, this is the most common word. It's an Arabic. The Arabic root carries the idea of uh, sluggish and thick. Um, this is the close-minded, stubborn person. I'm gonna label that thick-headed. Uh, the Casile's the person who's, who's always right and thinks they know it all. <clears throat> the 
thick-headed. Again, it's not about intellect. They're brilliant. It's a character deficiency. The second word is a veal. It means virtually the same, but a shade darker. It carries the idea of moral perversion and arrogance. This is the person who's unanswerable to anyone. Uh, let's call this characteristic of a fool hard-hearted. So, so thick-headed, hard-hearted. And then this last word is nabal. It's only used three times in Proverbs, used in, Psalm, in Psalms more. <clears throat> Psalm 51 captures the, the definition, really. It says, the fool, the Nabal, has said in his heart, there is no God. In other words, the Nabal lacks spiritual insight or, or spiritual perception. So I'm gonna call this characteristic spiritually short-sighted. Now, <clears throat> you know, that's not the... It's, it, we're painting a picture that's gonna get clearer and clearer. So at the broadest sense, you put those three things together and you don't get America's dumbest criminals. What you get is someone who's not open to the views of others who resists and rejects all authority but their own and who refuses to see the spiritual side of life. <coughs> I wanna be careful here and I wanna warn you because when I say refuse to see the spiritual side of life, this biblical fool may be a very spiritual person. And, and may I say, this is the damnable part about it because they can spiritualize things, you know, that coding of spirituality. But there is no genuine fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. You know, it's not there, but oh my gosh, they can spiritualize things. So you've gotta be very, very careful. Now I'm gonna take a smaller brush, <clears throat> right? That's the big brush. Let's take a smaller brush and do two things. Look at what a fool believes and how a fool behaves. Now, uh, let me say this too, because this is the last time I'll do this message, but I have in my notes... The Doobie Brothers song, What a Fool Believes, just so you know. So, so I've had, I know Carthy would want to know that because that's music I listen to. And so, yes, that song, if it's running in your head, I thought of it the whole time. It's in my notes. I, and this is the first time I've mentioned it, but I wanted to say it to y'all. What a Fool Believes. You can go listen to it, those of you who don't know it. Um, but a fool believes this. He's always right. He's always right. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. <clears throat> Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, the fool despises instruction because they already know everything. They don't need additional information or instruction. This is a person who can't admit a mistake, who never owns up to failure genuinely, you know, fully, and constantly shifts blame. Have you ever gone into someone to, to seek to have a conversation with someone who, you know, has a, has a character flaw and you want to help, you want to address it, not blame them or shame them, but you want to address that in their life for growth. <clears throat> or perhaps you're going into someone who has said something or done something that was hurtful to you. So, so you know, they've hurt you and <clears throat> you want to go in and, and address it or, or bring it to their attention. I mean, and as best you can, you're, you're trying to own your part, but do you know what I'm saying? You're trying to offer someone something in a, in a helpful way. And if you've ever gone in and had this happen where you go in and in your mind, things are pretty darn clear. I mean, as best you can tell, this is what happened. But five minutes into the conversation with this person, 
you're wondering, were you even in the same conversation? And you find yourself backpedaling. And finally, when you leave the meeting, you leave the meeting and you're going to yourself, oh, I was the problem. I'm, I'm the one who made the mistake. You know, and all of a sudden, it's all on, on you. Again, I'm not dismissing that we all have our stuff, but have you ever had that happen? And you're going, that, that's, am I crazy? <clears throat> you, I don't know if you're crazy or not, but you may not be crazy. And you may be dealing with a fool. I've said this before, I'll repeat it. <clears throat> I got this from Susan Scott's book, Fierce Conversations. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. It's, it's a good and healthy to believe them. <laughs> that is who they are. And in fact, the, 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 the Christian biblical response is, is to actually be curious about that person enough that you just go, that's who they are. Now, I'm gonna talk about how we kind of mess, I think we kind of confuse things as Christians. We might over-spiritualize ourselves and that's what I'm seeking to warn us against. You may be dealing with a fool. So a fool <laughs> believes he's always right. And when I say he, listen, he or she, because it's he and she. The Proverbs were written to a son, and so it's generally he did, but this is men and women. Secondly, he or she is the center of the universe. He or she's the center of the universe. Proverbs 18, two, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Why does a fool love to, to talk about themselves, their views, because, because they know everything? A fool is self-centered because they're self-reliant. See, their, their trust doesn't go beyond this. Their trust doesn't go beyond themselves. It's all here, self-sufficient. Third, a fool believes he can talk his way out of anything. Proverbs 18, seven, the mouth of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. I'm telling you, generally a fool's greatest weapon are their words. <clears throat> when you're in a conversation with a fool, you can expect their tongue to be like an artesian well of half-truths. You'll find them putting words in your mouth. Um, it just keeps coming. And it's always, of course, based on the first two things I said, and that would be they're always right and they're the center of the universe. Now, that's what a fool believes. Belief leads to behavior. So let's just catch a quick look at behavior, a smaller brush. <clears throat> How a fool behaves. Number one, he or she will not engage healthy conflict. Proverbs 29, nine. If a wise man <coughs> has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs and there is no quiet. Y'all, I'm telling you, you read some of these Proverbs and you're just, you stand back and go, whoa. There is no such thing as a healthy relationship that is void of conflict and conflict resolution. In other words, when you think of a defining a healthy relationship biblically, uh, there, there's, there's no such thing as, oh, we have a healthy relationship. We never fight. We never disagree. And then I, well, you know, I want to go, well, but you sure do lie, you know, because that can't happen, you know? And I, I would say it this way. And, you know, it is, it's funny, but at the same time I say, I believe the Bible more than I believe you. And the Bible tells me we're fallen to the core and we are truly incapable as fallen human beings, even redeemed, 
to, to engage and love another person to such a degree that we never disappoint, hurt, or, or, or even harm them. It, it just, it, it won't happen. It's not possible this side of heaven. And so understand when I say, you know, the fool will never engage in healthy conflict, uh, I'm, I'm saying that they won't. And the reason they won't is because when, they, when you bring conflict resolution, <clears throat> they're always right. But I don't want you to confuse healthy relationships with a lack of conflict. That's what I'm trying to say here. Always know biblical healthy relationships have conflict, but the conflict is resolved, but you won't resolve conflict with a fool. So have conflict with a fool. Again, maybe you've experienced this, but it's so spot on. You have conflict with a fool, again, owning your own stuff. They will either rage or laugh. Look at the extremes on this. Have you ever experienced this? Have a conflict with a fool and suddenly you're being mocked? So really now they're just scoffing at you and laughing at you? Or you're experiencing the other extreme and they're raging, shaming you. There's no in-between, there's no health. This is what happens again. I'm talking about a very specific relationship <coughs> and that would be the relationship with the fool. Third, or second, as far as behavior, he or she is a repeat offender. You know you're dealing with a fool if it's a repeat offense. Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. That is so gross, isn't it? And it's supposed to be vomit to us is repulsive. Clean it up. I, can't, I don't wanna smell it. Don't get near it. To a dog, it's like a lollipop, right? That's the way it is. And to the fool, that's how his foolishness will be. If you're in a foolish relationship with a fool, <clears throat> expect your life to feel like you are stuck on the Ferris wheel of insanity. Life's going along and you go, that's not right. I need to address that. I'm gonna step into this. Oh, wait, I guess it's me. It's not them. I'm, gonna, I'm so busy. I'm just gonna keep going on with life, whatever. Well, wait a minute, that's not right. I'm gonna address this. No, oh, I guess it's not me. Well, it's me, it's not them. And, I'm gonna, and you can expect your life to feel like, like the Ferris wheel of insanity. A biblical fool will not engage in healthy conflict resolution. They will be a repeat offender. <clears throat> and third, he or she will use anger inappropriately. Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. You, if you've been at fellowship long enough, you know wholehearted life in Christ is wholehearted, which includes our emotions. The Bible tells us there are no bad emotions. They're just emotions, and we're emotional beings made to experience and feel them. Anger is, quite frankly, one of the most powerful emotions, and it's good because when something's wrong, God made us to feel anger, so we'd go after it. See, that's, that's a healthy expression of anger, but the fool gives Fool, the fool vents their anger, vents it inappropriately. It's a helpful distinction here. A blogger, Natalie Hoffman, helps us when she distinguishes overt from covert anger. And I only say this because just to slice the onion a little, I think it can be helpful for some of us because the overt anger, we get it. I mean, the yelling, the screaming, the raging, I mean, that's overt anger. <clears throat> but I'll tell you, there's an anger that we don't often discern, but it's anger. She names a few of these, irritability, withholding information, questioning what you say, arguing, arguing, disagreeableness, 
rolling of the eyes, scoffing, dismissing, silence, pretending not to understand, accusing, blaming. See, this is <laughs> anger <laughs> inappropriately expressed. Now, okay, we, we've walked through this picture. I suspect, not, again, not to be funny, but I, I suspect some of us have a picture in our head. You know, we have a people or a person in our mind. So how do we relate to f- fools in our life and in the world? How do we, here's the question, y'all, how do we love them, right? Well, the Proverbs don't leave us without direction, but, but I'm gonna qualify my answer, how to, how to relate to a fool, by saying this. I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I'm no expert and no one is. Um, we need to walk in this humbly, circumspectly. Um, the Bible is not a how-to book. While the, while the Bible gives us principles to live by, it doesn't just say if you'll do A, B, and C, it'll all work out. You know, it, it, there's no secret keys to dealing with the fool in life. <laughs> what there are is there's God's word and these principles I'm gonna try and articulate for you. There's the Holy Spirit who lives in you. There's the people of God we walk with. The Holy Spirit in us is Jesus in us, and ultimately it's Jesus in us who enables us to engage with the fool. So with that said, let me offer four things. Again, I'm not trying to give you a formula or anything, but just some direction to get us going. Four words. So I've boiled it down to four words because I think, you know, I think we'll remember these a little bit better. Uh, the first uh, thing we're gonna talk about, and I'll give you this word in a moment, but it's, it's the most important thing, quite frankly, and you're never gonna relate well to a fool apart from this one until you come to the realization, the realization that you cannot change a fool. You gotta go a step further. So I'm gonna go a step further than realization. So here's the word I want you to get, accept. Here's the first word, accept. Well, Lord, what do you mean accept? I mean this, accept the reality, accept the reality that you cannot change a fool. Y'all, there is no reasoning There's no emotional pleading. Um, There's no logic. Um, There's nothing you can do to change a fool. Does everybody hear me on that? You can't, so stop trying. Is there any hope for a fool? Can I tell you, if you read Proverbs, you'd be amazed how little hope it gives to the fool. It doesn't give the fool much hope. Uh, There is very little hope for the fool because the fool will not want to change themselves. If there's any hope, it's that the Holy Spirit will change their heart. And even as I say that, I, I hope you go, well, yeah. And I hope you go, and that's real hope. So do you see what I'm saying? There's not much hope for a fool, but there's hope for the fool because there's hope for all of us but you and I will not change the fool, which is we get confused, you know, and we we try to. Our only hope is the spirit of God changing the fool. Now, here's my observation. This is just me being, you know, subjective, you know, but with experience. uh, we, We often hesitate to call a fool a fool, to name a fool, um, kind of gloss it over. It just doesn't feel Christian-like, you know, doesn't feel loving. My observation is, is that, but then when I turn the mirror upon myself, 
I've noticed in my own life, the times I have dealt with a fool in a very unhealthy way, it had everything to do with my fear of being misunderstood, my fear of losing something, <laughs> my, my fear of losing, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it had more to do with my fear than genuine love of the fool. <clears throat> so as well-meaning Christians, um, if it's only the spirit who can change the fool, I'm suggesting that we often thwart the work of the spirit by shielding the fool from the full weight of their foolishness. You know, we think it's the loving thing and the Christ-like thing to do to, to try to, to, you know, we don't mean to do this, but bottom line, we, we step in and we actually shield the fool from the pain of their foolishness. So we thwart the work of the spirit and, and, the, and, the, and the fool may begin to change uh, when the full weight of their foolishness falls on themselves and not so much on everyone around them. So the first word is accept. The second word is connect, connect. Well, what do you mean by that? Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you are one-on-one -on -one with a fool, you are outnumbered 100 to one. I mean, that's so humbling, but it's just the fact. You go one-on-one -on -one with a fool, you're outnumbered. You're, you're outgunned. You don't stand a chance. Proverbs says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. You have got to be connected to and walking with spiritually wise people in order to discern, is this a fool? What, what do I do? How do I walk in this way? You know, that, that, that could be a spiritually mature friend. I hope that's where you start, quite frankly, with each other. It can be a, a pastor, a pastoral team member, a team member. It could be a spiritual, it could be a therapist, a counselor. Y'all, we've got a dozen therapists in the Spiritual Counseling Center, all with specialties, et cetera, that can help you navigate this fog of foolishness. I wanna encourage you. You, you. you can't go alone. You cannot. You don't stand a chance. Accept, connect, third, detach. Boy, this is gonna be hard. Detach. Listen to Proverbs 14, seven. Stay away from fools for you won't find knowledge on their lips. You're never gonna meet, believe what it means, stay away from fools. Do you know what it means? What does it mean? You tell me. What does it mean? Stay away. Is there anything else? Uh, no, it just means stay away. <laughs> how about, how about the other, another translation? Leave the presence of a fool. Do you, do you hear in that? It means leave. <laughs> it means distance yourself from the fool. You need to gain distance between you and the fool, the fool and their folly. Now, this is not, I don't, I don't, this is not funny. This is so serious. And I, I mean this when I say this is, I mean, this is almost like a Gordian knot because some of you are sitting here and you're saying, I think I'm married to a fool. And, and some of us could be. 
Uh, I guarantee you generally, well, I don't guarantee, but generally, you know, the fool's generally someone close to you. Wait, you're talking about my mom. You're talking about my, you're talking about my, you know what I'm saying? It's like, these are relationships, like how do you detach from life relationships like that? Mm, very carefully, oh my gosh, with great humility um, and with a lot of counsel. And the best I can do right now is to give you, I'm gonna give you two recommendations. I'm gonna give you two books that I think can prove very helpful. <clears throat> I've recommended at least one of them before and, and I give it away all the time. <clears throat> the first book is a book I keep in my office. I keep it stocked. It's called Necessary Endings. I've talked to you about this before. It's by Henry Cloud, Christian counselor. Had I read this book 25 years ago, I would have spared myself and others a tremendous amount of pain. Necessary endings. He's got a chapter in here called How to Identify a Fool. Absolutely worth it. The second book is, these are both older books too. The second book is Bold Love by Dan Allender and Tremper Longman. He's got, a, they've got a chapter in here called How to Love a Fool. And quite frankly, it says better than I ever could in a thoroughly biblical way, in an eminently practical way, how to detach, because that's part of loving a fool. And so I offer those to you, and I'll say this, if you don't have them and you need them, you can't afford them, I'm happy to get them to you. I mean that to anyone, if you would let me know. I think these, I think these two books are absolutely necessary for wholehearted life in Jesus, which is why we exist, which is where we're taking people and helping them find life. So, Accept, connect, detach, and then third or fourth, repent, repent. I've painted this picture and oddly enough, I actually found a portrait of a fool. So we, we don't have to guess, like you don't have to imagine. Even, you know, I've talked in words, but I've actually got an image. Do you wanna see it? Perhaps you don't. Okay, there's a picture of a fool. <laughs> see that? Now, why, why do I do this? Is, is it silly? Well, yes, silly, but it's also true. And you look at that and you see yourself. Now, listen to me. If you see yourself and you ask yourself the question, Am I a fool? You're not. If you can say, am I? You're not. You're foolish. You do foolish things, I do. But the mere fact that you would pose the question, am I, could I be, means you're not. Because what I'm talking about here, again, the biblical fool would never even consider that. They would look at this and go, yeah, the guy sitting next to me, mm -hmm, that's the fool. Not me, you know what I'm saying? I mean that. They, they would never ponder their own foolishness. So if you, if you can look at that and with a measure of repentance, could I be? Oh no, you're not a fool. You're, you're a saint in Christ with foolishness still in you. But we all need to live with a posture of repentance, don't we? The Christian life, y'all, is a life, it's the Ferris wheel of repentance. 
That's the Christian life, continually repenting and bringing ourselves back to the table, to the cross. And that's what I'm gonna invite us to do today. I want the band to come back up because we are gonna end with a song that's gonna move us outward and remind us of where that repentance should take us and then how we live from that repentance. But first, I'm just gonna invite you to a season where you know we've been thinking about the fool <coughs> and I wanna invite us to consider our own foolishness for that's where we always begin. What's in my own heart? Let me ask you to put your Bibles down, stand. I'm just gonna give you a moment to pray. And it's this simple prayer. Lord, show me my own foolishness and grant me the courage to repent. To repent simply means you're going in one direction, you turn and you turn to Christ. Let that be the ground of how we engage any fool in our life from that posture of repentance. Would you talk to the Lord now privately and ask him to show you your own foolishness and to grant you the courage to repent? God, we come to this text today and we know it would be easy for us to point a finger. But that's not where we want to begin. We choose to begin by looking in the mirror, recognize our own, our own foolishness, turning from it and casting ourselves upon you. Hear our prayers this morning. Now hear our song for from that place of repentance. We want to remind our own hearts of your goodness, Lord Jesus. And that it is only when we are fully convinced how good you are, how adequate you are, how you are all we need. Only from that great place of rest, we move forward with fools in a way that's biblical, loving, and grace-filled and courageous. Reinforce that in this song we ask in Christ's name.